Chapter 8 of Campfire Girls at Twin Lakes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Lucy Burgoyne. Campfire Girls at Twin Lakes, or The Quest of a Summer Vacation, by Stella M. Francis. Chapter 8. Planning in Secret. Without a word of comment relative to this remarkable information, Miss Ladd turned and started back upstairs, and Catherine followed. In the hall at the upper landing, the guardian whispered thus in the ear of her roommate, "'Shh! Don't say a word or commit an act that could arouse suspicion.' He's probably listening, or looking, or both. Just forget this subject and talk about the new midi blowers you are making, or something like that. Don't gush, either, or he may suspect your motive. We want to throw him off the track, if possible. But Catherine preferred to say little, for she was tired, and made haste to get into bed. It was not long before the subject of their plans and problems and visions of spies and jam-stained fists were lost in the leaf of dreamland. They were awakened in the morning by the first breakfast bell and arose at once. They dressed hurriedly and went at once to the dining room, where they found two of the girls ahead of them. The others appeared presently. As the second bell rung, Pierce Langford sauntered into the room and took a seat near the table occupied by Helen Nash and Violet Munday. He looked about him in a half-vacant, inconsensual way, and then began to jolly the waitress, who approached and sung off a string of alternates on the hooverized bill of fare which she carried in her mind. She coldly ignored his jollies, for it was difficult for Langford to be pleasing even when he tried to be pleasant, took his order, and proceeded on her way. The girls paid no further attention to the supposed spy lawyer during breakfast, and the latter appeared to pay no further attention to them. After the meal, Miss Ladd called the girls together and suggested that they take a walk. Then she dismissed them to prepare. Twenty minutes later they reassembled, clad in khaki midi suits, brown sailor hats, and hiking shoes, and the walk was begun along a path that led down a wooded hill behind the hotel and toward the nearest lake. It was not so much for exercise and fresh air that this hike was taken as for an opportunity to hold a conference where there was little likelihood of its being overheard. They picked a grassy knoll near the lake, shaded by a border of oak and butternut trees, and sat down close together in order that they might carry on a conversation in subdued tones. Now, said Miss Ladd, we'll begin to form our plans. You all realize, I think, that we have an obstacle to work against that we did not reckon on when we started, but that need not surprise us. 
In fact, as I think matters over, it would have been surprising if something of the kind had not occurred. This man Langford is undoubtedly here to block our plans. If that is true, in a sense it is an advantage to us. Why? Hazel Edwards inquired. I don't like the idea of answering questions of that kind without giving you girls an opportunity to answer them, the guardian returned. Now, who can tell me why it is an advantage to us to be followed by someone in the employ of the people whom we have been sent to investigate? I think I can answer it, Hazel said quickly, observing that two or three of the other girls seemed to have something to say. Let me speak first, please. I asked the foolish question and want a chance to redeem myself. I wouldn't call it foolish, was the guardian's reassuring reply. It was a very natural question, and one that comparatively few people would be able to answer without considerable study. And yet, it is simple after you once get it. But go ahead and redeem yourself. The fact that someone has been put on our trail to watch us is pretty good evidence that something wrong is going on, said Hazel. You warned us not to be sure that anybody is guilty until we see the jam on his fist. But we can work more confidently if we are reasonably certain that there is something to work for. If this man Langford is in the employ of the Grahams and is here watching us for them, we may be reasonably certain that Aunt Hannah was right in her suspicions about the way little Glen is being treated, may we not? That is very good, Hazel, Miss Ladd commented enthusiastically. Many persons a good deal older than you could not have stated the situation as clearly as you have stated it. Yes, I think I may say that I am almost glad that we are being watched by a spy. But I didn't call you out here to have a long talk with you, girls. There really isn't much to say right now. First I wanted you all to understand clearly that we are being watched and for what purpose. Langford convicted himself when he asked for the double room next to the one occupied by Catherine and me and offered to pay the regular rate for two. He thinks that he is able to maintain an appearance of utter disinterest in us and throw us off our guard, but he overdoes the thing. He makes too big an effort to appear unconscious of our presence. It doesn't jibe at all with the expression of decided interest I have caught on his face on two or three occasions, and I flatter myself that I successfully concealed my interest in his interest in us. Now, there are two things I want to say to you, and we will return. First, do your best, every one of you, to throw Langford off the track by affecting the most innocent disinterest in him, as of no more importance to us than the most obscure tourist on earth. Don't overdo it. Just make yourselves think that he is of no consequence, and act accordingly without putting forth 
any effort to do so. The best way to effect this is to forget all about our mission when he is around. Second, we must find out where the Graham cottage is and then determine where we want to locate our camp, somewhere in the vicinity of the Graham cottage, of course. Let me go out on a scouting expedition to find out where they live, Catherine requested. And let me go with her, begged Ruth Hazelton. All right, Miss Ladd assented. I'll commission you two to act as spies to approach the border of the enemy's country and make a map of their fortifications. But whatever you do, don't get caught. Keep your heads. Don't do anything foolish or spasmodic, and keep this thing well in mind, that it is far better for you to come back empty-handed than to make them suspicious of any ulterior motive on your part. End of chapter 8